One of the things that I have really enjoyed about the For Their Future series is stories. There are these stories that we've been sharing. I love stories. I love motivational stories. You know, the type that I mean that, you know, something's happening and it takes a lot of work to overcome an obstacle or the community kind of comes around and and helps out or a stranger helping another stranger. I love stuff like that. That's the stuff they make Hallmark movies about. I love it. And I'm a blubbering mess. And I am proud to say I love Hallmark Christmas movies. I've been watching them for weeks. I love it. I mean, I love motivational stories. You know, so I recently saw, um, you know, it's a, it's a champion, you know, kind of a sports figure saying, this is what it takes to be a champion. Then I find out it's commercial, but still I liked that they were talking about what motivated them. You know, a musician and all the hours that it took and the practice that it took to be who they are. Or maybe it's the elderly couple who've been married for 75 plus years. Saw a video about that here recently. That just blows me away, the perseverance and the love that it would take to do that. I know to love me for 75 years, it would take that. I just love motivational stories like this. Have you seen motivational posters? I love those too. Kind of like this one. Have you ever seen this one before? Hang in there, the cat says. Or this one. Another cat says, hang in there. Or this one. Another cat says, hang in there. There are a lot of these. Or this one. I don't know what's going on there, but it's exciting. Pizza, bacon, lasers. I'm on board. I'm on board. Actually, I Googled here recently, you know, cat hang in there poster. They're like nine billion hits for it. So apparently we really like to hang in there. We like these motivational posters. Now, if I asked you, hey, what's your motivational story? What's the accomplishment in your life that you're the most proud of? You likely aren't going to tell me something that was really easy for you to accomplish. Yeah, I won this award. I didn't try at all and I don't really care. No, that's not what you're going to say. You'll, you'll talk about dedication or late nights or long hours or circumstances that you had to overcome. You'll talk about your commitment. Now, we're in a series called For Their Future where we're talking about what it looks like over the next two years for us to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. That's our vision statement here, and it's a commitment type of vision. It doesn't happen accidentally. We have to actually put some effort into doing whatever it takes. Now, For Their Future specifically is a two-year, $750,000 project and includes four initiatives that we believe make an impact on the future, as well as respond to some felt needs that we have here at the Ridge. We think that these are foundational things so that we can continue to respond to what God is asking us to do in the future. And to do this, we've been talking about the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah caught a whatever-it-takes type of vision to rebuild the wall in Jerusalem. Now, this wasn't going to happen by accident either. It's kind of that whatever-it-takes type of vision. So he cast that vision prayerfully and passionately to the king of Persia at the time, and God provided incredible support for Nehemiah to go to Jerusalem and the resources to build the wall. So Nehemiah went and he talked to God's people, the Jewish leaders at the time. This is what he said. You know very well what trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. And they replied at once. I love that. Right away, they go, yeah, let's do that. Here's what they said. Yes, let's rebuild the wall. 
But then the work starts. Have you ever been there? Where you go, yeah, I should totally go to the gym more. Yeah, I should totally eat better. Yeah, I should totally get a handle on my finances. Yeah, I should totally go on a date night once a week with my spouse. Yeah, I should totally read my Bible and pray more. Yeah, I should totally not go to Starbucks as much. These are all just mine. I'm just sharing them with you. Have you ever been there? Like, it's one thing to say, yeah, I should totally do that. It's another thing to do it. And when I read the story of Nehemiah, the people respond with, yeah, let's rebuild the wall. But what does it take to actually rebuild the wall? We need to respond with, yeah, but it also takes one other word, commitment. It's one thing to say we're going to do something. It's another thing to do it. It's one thing to see the need for commitment, but it's another thing to commit. Now, here's the elephant in the room. We're talking about finances in this series. We're talking about what it means to commit financially to these four initiatives that we've talked about over the past few weeks. And talking about finances in church can be uncomfortable. One of the reasons we talk about it is Jesus actually talked about money quite a bit. It's because it's important to us, isn't it? And it's actually a big piece of our spiritual lives. But I get it. I don't want you to feel guilted. I want you to hear that. I don't want you to feel guilted by anything that we say about this. The reason that we're talking about it is we think it's important. And my prayer, my hope is that we all respond to the vision that we're talking about today, just like the people in Nehemiah did. We say, yeah, let's do it. That's my prayer, that we would go past the challenge and even say, yeah, and then actually commit to doing the work. So the next few chapters of Nehemiah, what we're talking about today is about commitment. There are three things that I believe we can learn and take away from this story. Now we're picking up the story. Nehemiah's just cast this God-sized amazing vision. The people have just said, yeah, let's do it. So what do you think happens next? Everything goes perfectly. No problems at all. Everyone lives happily ever after the book of Nehemiah ends. No, that's not what happens at all. Actually, it gets kind of tough. That's the next thing. That's the first thing that we want to talk about. Commitment includes challenges. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. Here's the very next verse. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab heard of their plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? The very next verse, it doesn't take very long for someone to make fun of their vision. Opposition, challenges, they come when you're following the vision of God. It's a part of it. Here are things that they had to deal with as they were building the wall. People were struggling with needing more food to survive. People had already mortgaged their fields and their homes to get food during a famine. They actually even had a public forum because this was such a huge problem in their community. There were assassination plots against Nehemiah. There are death threats against the people of God. They felt so threatened that half the people stood guard while they were working, while the other half worked and had their hands on their swords at their sides the entire time. Those are challenges. Can you imagine if if that's what we were experiencing, can you imagine if someone were trying to kill us on the way to church this morning? It would at least give me pause. This is, 
this is a big deal of what they're trying to overcome. And honestly, I would begin to doubt, and I'd say, is God really behind this? This is really difficult. But commitment isn't about a lack of challenge. Commitment isn't about a lack of doubt. Commitment is proven even stronger when it's there in spite of doubt or in spite of challenge. And I believe we have to be faithfully committed to the vision that God puts before us, even when there are challenges, even when it's hard and it seems crazy to do so. I recently came across a story of a missionary a century ago. It was A.W. Milne. He was a a missionary a long time ago, and he was known as a one-way missionary. And the reason they called them that is they bought a one-way ticket to where they were going. He didn't buy a return ticket. He was so committed to going that they would actually also put all of their earthly possessions into a coffin because they weren't coming back. That's commitment. A little crazy. He set sail for the South Pacific, and he knew full well that there were headhunters there that martyred all the missionaries in that region. But he went anyway, and he boldly and he bravely ministered for 35 years there. And when he died, there were tribe members that buried him in the middle of the village and inscribed this epitaph on his tombstone. This is what it said. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. That's commitment. Now, let me be clear. We're not asking you to go to the South Pacific. We're not asking you to put all your stuff into a coffin or anything like that. But there's a very tangible way that we can respond to what God has done in our lives through commitment. So for us to really do whatever it takes for their future, for the future of our friends and families and neighbors and coworkers, we need to be committed that we're so committed to the cause of doing whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ that our friends think we should be committed. See what I did there? Anybody follow with me? Not even smiles, okay. So there's, there's this question that comes to mind when I'm thinking about this, this type of commitment and challenges that come up. Here's the question, what's holding me back? What's holding you back? So there are personal challenges that will come up, that will come up because we're trying to follow the vision of God. So what is that for you? Is it, is it like me? Is it fear? Is it control? Is it skepticism? What is it? For me, we're having a baby soon, and we're due at the end of March. We're really excited about that, but honestly, we're nervous about that because that will make things tighter financially for us. When we kind of thought about, prayed about, and put down what our commitment was to for their future, we actually didn't know that Abby was pregnant at the time. And so as we've been thinking about it and going through this series with all of you, I've been a little nervous. But we feel so passionately about this vision. We feel so passionately about the impact that we believe God is making through the ridge and through all of you that we just can't help but say, you know what? We're going to accept that challenge. We're going to be faithful in that, and we're going to commit anyway. So we're saying, yeah, let's go. 
And so commitment to the vision of God actually includes challenge. It's not in spite of challenge. And these people of God, they started to work. They were committed. And it was hard work. And it was scary work. And that's the second thing we can learn from Nehemiah is that commitment requires sacrifice. Have you ever come up on one of those chapters in the Bible that have just a bunch of names in it? You know, the unpronounceable names of long forgotten people. I used to skip over those. Not proud of that, but I did. Used to skip over them. But this time, I, just something struck me about that. There are so many people in Nehemiah 3 that are mentioned, that were committed to the vision. Here's a picture of all the names mentioned in Nehemiah 3. There's so many of them. And one example of these names, Uziel, son of Jerahiah, and also Hananiah. Here's a tip if you ever read Old Testament names in front of people, just say it loud and proud. They don't know how to pronounce it either. It's all right. It's all right. Uziel, son of Jerahiah, was a goldsmith. Hananiah was a perfumer. They're tradesmen in Jerusalem. They're mentioned in Nehemiah 3, 8. They're just one of the many people that are mentioned. It's a big list. Why do you think their jobs were mentioned? I think it's possible Nehemiah wanted us to know that this wasn't their focus in their job. Now, they worked with their hands. They were tradesmen, but they weren't wall builders. But they saw that this was important enough that they'd surrender their businesses, likely some of their resources, their time, their safety for the greater good. That's commitment and sacrifice. Here's another example. This is Nehemiah 3, 5. Next were the people from Tekoa. Their leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors. So there's this region. It's about 10 miles south of Jerusalem called Tekoa, and it's near the wilderness. You remember these people who were kind of mocking what they were doing in building the wall? Well, they had all these threats, and the people of Tekoa would have been really vulnerable. So their leaders decided, no, we're not going to go. But the people had something else in mind. They went ahead and, and went and worked. They refused to not buy into the vision of Nehemiah. But then, this is get better, Nehemiah 3.27. Then came the people from Tekoa who repaired another section across from the great projecting wall. So first they worked on the wall that they were responsible for. Then they were so caught up into this vision, even despite the safety of their region, even despite the sacrifice that they were being called to do, they moved down and they started to build on another section of the wall. That's commitment. There are actually 50 people that are specifically mentioned in Nehemiah 3, a bunch of groups of people. They surrendered safety and time and resources, all of these things. Nehemiah is not actually even mentioned in Nehemiah 3 because there are so many people who were bought in to what was going on. That's a whatever-it-takes type of commitment, isn't it? So this question kind of starts nagging at me, and, it, and it's, what is God asking me to surrender this past week, I hope you had the opportunity to pray over the commitment card that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. It's this question we've been asking, God, what would you have me do? That's a scary question. It can be intimidating to think about how to give above and beyond even what you currently give. 
for their future is an above and beyond type of project. It's on top of what we're currently doing and what we currently have budgeted here at the Ridge. So it requires intentional sacrifice, but it's also a great opportunity for us to ask God, what would you have us do? And then to take that next step. All of us can take a next step in surrendering to God. Now, there are these four areas of giving that we talked about briefly last week. Jerry mentioned them. Maybe you've never given anything before. Would you commit to being a first-time giver? Maybe you've given occasionally in the past. Would you commit to being a regular giver? Maybe you give regularly, but God is challenging you to become a percentage or increasing your percentage giver. Maybe you already do that. Maybe you already give a percentage, but God is tugging at your heart to have an even greater impact because you are saying, yeah, let's do it. No matter what God is calling you to do, know that the commitment to do what we're doing isn't about a number. It's not about a number. It's not about the contribution. It's not the dollar amount. It's surrendering everything we have to God. That's really what this is about. Willingly surrendering all that we have because it's really God's anyway. There's a difference between giving a contribution and giving sacrificially. There's a, an old story that I remember about a chicken and a pig. The chicken and the pig lived on this farm, and they loved it. The farmer really took care of them. They loved it so much that they were talking one day, because they could talk in the story, and they said, hey, we need to give back to the farmer, show him our appreciation. So they started to think, what can we do? And they said, you know, his favorite meal is breakfast. We should make him breakfast. And the chicken quick said, yeah, I can provide the eggs. You provide the ham. And the pig says, whoa, 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 you're making a contribution. I'm making a sacrifice. There's a difference. There's a difference between a contribution and actually giving sacrificially. And it's not about the amount. It's about our heart. It's about the way that we're responding to who God is and what he's done. And the people of God in Nehemiah responded to the vision to rebuild the wall. And they responded with sacrifice. Here's the third takeaway from Nehemiah. Commitment honors God. This is what Nehemiah 6, 15 through 16, we kind of fast forward in the story a little bit. So on October 2nd, the wall was finished, just 52 days after we had begun. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. 52 days. And when I read this, I go, that, that must be fast, but I kind of move on. But if I pause, there's no doubt that this was about God, is there? Even the enemies, even those threatening them, even the nations surrounding them knew that this honored God, and it couldn't have been done without them. As a matter of fact, they knew it so much that they were humiliated and frightened because that's how big our God is. And Nehemiah and the people of Israel's commitment honored God in such a way that it showed the rest of the region that this is done because of God. Make no mistake. Now, there are people here at the Ridge whose commitment honors God. They're whatever-it-takes type of people. Now, I'd like to invite two of them, James and Cammie Simonton, up here with me. I've asked them to come and to really share their perspective 
on commitment and on generosity. Now, you might recognize James and Cammie. James actually is an elder on our board here. He also leads sometimes and sings and, and leads in our, our worship. So we really appreciate him. Now, Cammie also volunteers in a lot of different areas. She is an all-star stage manager. She, she, we were joking earlier that that's why she, she wore black. She wanted to kind of blend in. She's not used to being up front and having conversations like this, which are really, really kind of uncomfortable, isn't it? To talk about commitment and generosity in, in, in front of folks. But I want to thank you for coming up. Thank you for for sharing this time with us. I just want to ask you a couple of questions about your commitment, about what this looks like for you in, in your lives. So you've invested significantly in the Ridge in the past in all sorts of different ways, volunteering financially, all sorts of different ways. Why? Why have you done so? Well, we both were uh, raised in church-going families. So from a very early age, it was modeled for us, you know, the importance of church attendance, of volunteering, and of giving to the church. But I don't think it was until college that we really started to understand the importance of tithing or giving 10%. So at that time, we made a, a decision that we'd always strive to give at least 10%, no matter where we were attending church. And I think that was one of those really, really important decisions to make early. And then we were able to continue doing that since then. So I, to answer your question, the reason we're invested at the Ridge is because the Ridge is our church. So the follow-up question to that would be, so why, why the Ridge? Why the Ridge being your church? Well, we joined the Ridge uh, 10 years ago largely because of its vision and purpose to reach people who didn't like church or who had had a bad experience with church or didn't feel like the church was relevant for them. Um, and we found excellence in the programming here. It's engaging and it's relevant, and there's really a strong focus on growing and developing your personal relationship with God so you can take your next steps wherever you are in your journey of faith. And when we joined the Ridge, our four kids were young, uh, growing up at home, and so we were really motivated to be part of a church where they could grow in their faith as well. That's great. So, so we've been talking about For Their Future and, and kind of this project. So what about the vision for that, kind of the next step in the future here at The Ridge excites you? I would say one of the things that really excites me is the uh, community investment aspect of the project, the giving back 10% of the funds that we raise to those in our community. Um, when my kids, when our kids were little, I was a stay-at-home mom, and so most of my activities revolved around them and the church, and now that they're all adults, um, I have a little bit more time, and so I am finding ways that I can be involved in the community. And um, the Ridge has had several outreach events that we've been able to participate in as a family, and one of those in particular was sorting and organizing clothes at Malachi's Closet, which is my kind of thing. I love doing that. And so we could see the impact uh, that Ridgers were having by putting their efforts into organizations and places just like that. And for me, the most exciting one is the least exciting one of the four. You, I think, implied last week. It does not week. get my blood pumping. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So for me, ministry impact is really the one that does. And for whatever reason, the old Boy Scout motto of be prepared has always resonated with me. And so financially, that turns into me being a saver. Now, I'm not afraid to spend money, but uh, planning for the future and saving uh, is really, really something that I feel is important. 
Now the downside of that is that you start to uh, have put faith in your savings account versus in God. And I think that can be true of the church as well. But I really believe that we're called to prepare as best we can to get ready for the future and then to dream bigger than what we think we can accomplish. So when those dreams are realized, we know that God was involved in that. Right, it's a God-sized vision that we're called to, right? So what would you say to somebody who, who hasn't taken that first step in investing in a church? Um, I really like something that Jerry said last week, and I think I've heard it a couple of times uh, since then, and that he said, I want my generosity with God to reflect his generosity with me. So I see investing in the church as one small way that we can say thank you to God for his generosity to us. And to someone who hasn't invested in the church, I would suggest you simply start small. Just take a small step and you're stepping out in faith. Um, financially, our first steps were very small. It's pretty easy to give 10% of almost nothing, uh, which we right. were when we you know, first graduated from college. And um, so we have continued our commitment to giving, and it has grown as our income has grown and as God has challenged us to loosen our grip on our material possessions. And when we talk about investing, it's, I think it's important to remember that it's not just about finances. Um, the other thing that I think about a lot is that it's our time, and I'm really passionate about uh, giving my time uh, to the Ridge by volunteering. And so I would really encourage people to find some place that you can give of your time in the church, and I think you will find that you'll be blessed beyond measure when you uh, put your trust in Him wholeheartedly and not knowing where that might lead. And for me, the only thing I would add to that is, is a verse out of the Old Testament that maybe not everyone's familiar with. Uh, Malachi 3.10 says this, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. So in the past, when we've been called to give sacrificially, we expected it to be really, really hard. And yet, within a very short period of time, a, a month or two sometimes, it was working, right? At the end of the month, we still had money. And so it's just amazing how God provides, uh, even though you're trying to outgive him. So to my fellow engineers, I would remind you, this is not actually a math problem. It's not an equation to be balanced. Um, it's a matter of faith. But for all of us, I think there's really a challenge here, right? God specifically says, try me, try to outgive me. And that's, I, that's just an amazing thing. And I think we can all lean into that. Thank you. Thank you both. Will you join me in thanking James and Cammie for coming up here? That's not an easy thing to do, to get up here and, and to talk about kind of your commitment and investment. The reason that we ask them is we believe they're representation of many people here who are committed to the vision of the Ridge. They believe in what we're doing. You can hear that. And they believe in the four initiatives to maximize the Ridge's impact in these ways. And that it's really more about God and honoring God and responding to God than it is anything else. And there are a couple of quick questions that we want to make sure that we answer as we kind of close this time together. Why? Why do we want to maximize our facility so that our children can have irresistible environments 
We want to continue to reach families, and oftentimes that can happen by creating environments that kids love to be in. So we want to have a thriving kids ministry, and to do that, we need facilities to allow us to engage with kids. We want to have a place for adults to come and connect relationally, grow spiritually. We want a place for teens to come and have a safe place to navigate life and reach, grow, and live for Jesus. Why do we want to maximize our staff and ministry impact? So that we can do our very best to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. So that the transition of leadership can happen without a transition of vision. So that we can spend our time, our energy, our resources on reaching these people that are on this picture. These names, these real people with real stories. That's really what this is about. It's the life change that comes with Jesus. And we want to do this for their future, really for their eternity. Why do we want to maximize our community investment? We want to model biblical generosity. We want to help our community in real ways. We want our friends to think we are so crazy committed to this that we care about everybody else before we care about ourselves. So there's this question that we've been asking. What's God asking you to do for their future? for these names that are mentioned on these pictures, for that person in your community who doesn't like church, doesn't go to church, doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Today, we have this opportunity to respond to that question. But here's one last question. Why do we want to do whatever it takes for their future? This is a simple answer. So we can honor God. We believe that every penny, every dollar given to this initiative is more about our response and commitment to who God is and what he has done than it is anything else. This is really about our response to who Jesus is in our lives and the cross. Jesus was committed to honoring God, and he did so by dying on the cross for our sins. And our response is to do whatever it takes to reach our friends and family and point them to Jesus because it matters that much. It changes everything. It's for their future. And today we have a chance to make our commitments to this project. Not because of the ridge, not because of us, but because of God, because of who he is. My prayer is as we make these commitments today that we honor God with our response. 